Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Grow Yourself from the Inside Out. Thank you so much for being with us here today. And by the way, if you're looking at this on YouTube, please feel free. In fact, I'd love it if you would go and subscribe to this particular podcast and this YouTube channel. I'd appreciate that. Obviously, I'm trying to build my following here. But I will tell you, my guest is going to help me do just that because uh, a very interesting guest with a very interesting background with um, a lot of success in life. And I'm going to tell you about her in just one moment. But let me just say we're going to talk about, um, you know, building a winning career or a successful career or whatever the case might be. And probably going to sprinkle in some other ideas about building your confidence and and a host of other things because again my guest has really a wonderful and you know eclectic background if I may just say it that way but you know I will say as a coach I talk to people often about their careers and I would say particularly in these days of um, the great resignation uh, I know there's a lot of different ideas about why that's happening but one of the big things that I keep hearing about the great resignation is this idea that people are looking for a more purpose-driven career. Perhaps they're looking for better circumstances beyond just better pay. Uh, people certainly have, uh, you know, they sort of resisted the virtual work. Now many people want the virtual work. So there's a lot of different ideas out there and I think their trajectory, if you will, or the paths have changed about what constitutes a meaningful, purposeful, a balanced career. And so my guest, Danielle Kobo, is going to talk to us about that and some other things. So let me just tell you a little bit about Danielle. Danielle, first of all, is an award-winning career leadership and sales performance coach. She has gone from living out of clothes in, a stored, in stored trash bags to leading a team for a Fortune 500 company. She spent 15 years in medical sales, earning four consecutive awards for top performance as an individual contributor and led the historically, well, a historical, uh, historically poor uh, performance sales team to number one in the nation within two years. But see, Danielle's path to success wasn't easy. Her life challenges started at the age of two when she was kidnapped by her mother. Yes, I said kidnapped. We're going to ask her about that. She only met her dad at age 15, then lost her mother uh, to suicide. But she has used these challenges and others as a source of strength. She has learned how to transform self-doubt into resilience, drive, motivation, and confidence. Now Danielle teaches and coaches professionals how to accelerate their careers and increase sales performance. Danielle is the host of Dream Job with Danielle Kobo podcast, a devoted military spouse, spouse to which we're going to ask about as well, and a mother of uh, a mother to two to four-year-old twins. Uh, I had that all going on in my head. So, anyways, it's such a great pleasure, and I would like to now bring on Danielle. Danielle Kobo, thank you so much for being with us here on Grow Yourself. Well, it's an honor to be here, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Listen, I, uh, I, I ask all of my guests this, and uh, I know we're in for a very interesting understanding of who Danielle Kobo is, but let me just ask you straight up, who is Danielle Kobo? <laughs> um, I think you really captured it in what you had shared. I mean, most importantly, my why and who I am is, is being a mother. It is truly the absolute joy in to be able to be there for somebody and model and, and yeah. lead and see them flourish. So it's a big part of my life, but I also believe that there are other aspects of my life and that have shaped me into who I am. So, but that's what brings me the most joy. I love that. I mean, uh, I've not been shy about how much I've enjoyed my two daughters and a son who's 40 and a daughter 27 and daughter about to turn 24. Uh, really, like you, is one of the great joys of my life is being a parent. I would love to keep doing it. And I, I will once again on national podcasts tell my daughters, you know, we need grandkids. So uh, <laughs> make that happen for us. Uh, but having said all that, but Daniel, you know, also in terms of who you are today and all that you have 
become as a successful professional, <clears throat> you did start off with a bit of a, you know, I mean, a very interesting but challenging childhood. Could you tell us a little bit about that so we can get some context into, you know, how you got where you're at today? Yes, because I really believe that sometimes the challenges that you've experienced in life become your greatest strength. They shape you into who you are today. And sometimes mm. your pain becomes your purpose in life and making an mm. impact on others. And when I was two years old, my mom kidnapped me and I didn't know it at the time. So I grew up thinking that I was told that my dad had abandoned us and had chose another family. And some of my earliest memories as a child was my dad coming to pick me up. Uh, he was with his girlfriend at the time and just this pulling apart of my mom, not letting me see him. And so on a lot of ways, I grew up aspiring to be my mom in my eyes, my dad had abandoned me in my eyes. My mom was a single mom raising a five-year-old. She was getting her bachelor's degree. She was working full time. I mean, she was just a, a role model of strength and resiliency. Wow. So it's kind of this interesting dynamic of learning to see the great qualities about her, but also understanding that some of the decisions that she made in the past have kind of contributed to the self-doubt that I experienced the majority of my life. And that all of that, also some of that was due to some of her mental health. She did suffer from bipolar depression. And there were definitely some times throughout my childhood where we'd have some very high highs and, you know, and then there'd be also some times wow. where I'd come home and she'd be on the couch, just not really wanting to move. Wow. So. You know, I never thought about that. I just, what you said about that, whereas we think about people that have bipolar, that they go from this depressive state to, to a manic state. We know that they suffer from that, but, it, but you just said something I'd never thought about before. And that is whomever else is around them also vicariously, I guess you could say, or whatever, experiences the same thing because as a child particularly you fall into the tone of of what's going on around you whoever's controlling the environment yeah I, I would say the best way to describe it is it's very much so you're on a roller coaster there's going to be mm. times in your relationship where there's gonna be very high highs my mom and I were super close we would go to lunch every week and we just had this very special bond. And then there would also be some times where there were some very low lows and you just never knew what to expect. You're kind of almost every time that you walk in the door, you're kind of walking on eggshells a little bit mm. and just never knowing what tomorrow is going to bring or how she's going to react to anything. And it really came down to the point when I was 17 and my mom and I got in a really big argument and she kicked me out of the house. And it was at that moment, I remember the next day, and this was a very pivotal moment in my life where the next day I saw the school counselor and the school counselor said, if you don't go back to living with your mom, then you're never going to amount to anything in life. Whoa. Yeah. Which is never something a school counselor should say. I wouldn't say. think so. <laughs> no. I mean, I understand that her intentions were probably yeah. to encourage me to go back home, sure. but I knew... And I think this really goes into part of resiliency and part of navigating through your life is sometimes you've got to listen to your gut and your intuition. And if you know that you are not in a, a healthy situation, if you know that there's a negative situation that you want to remove yourself out of, then you've got to follow your gut and intuition. And so I ended up leaving my mom's house and I had all my clothes stored in four trash bags and I would rotate from one friend's house to another friend's house every couple of weeks while I was going to high school full-time while I was also working a full-time 40 hours a week. And it was, it was definitely a challenging time, but it also helped me prepare for college. I was working two jobs in college and I'll never forget that I was so excited to graduate college for the mere fact that it was going to be easier for me. <laughs> Okay. Not having to juggle two jobs in college, wow. I got to just work. Yeah. So, wow. You know, there are so many questions that, that, that I think about that could come out of what you just said. 
Do you have any thoughts, Danielle, as to why? I, I would submit that there's, I, I don't know what I could say as a percentage, but there are a number of people who would go completely in the opposite direction. They would find themselves failing in life, you know, but instead, you know, how does a teenager say, okay, I got to go out. I got to go keep going to school. I got to go get two jobs. I, you know, how, where does that come from? How, why does one do that? And, and another not. Yeah, you have, (laughs) there's two paths you can take in life. You can either fall victim to your circumstances Or you can say, I'm going to choose a different path. I'm going to create the opportunities that I want to create. And as I said, even though my mom and I sometimes had a tumultuous relationship, I also learned resiliency from her. I learned she modeled, if you want to do something in life, I mean, she was like a like I said, she was raising a five-year-old and she was going to college while working. So a lot of the things that I learned were from her and I took those great aspects from her and modeled, she modeled it and I followed in those footsteps. And then the things that I didn't necessarily like or agree with or wanted to change, I chose a different path on. Wow. So, okay. So then you go to college, you went to college straight out of high school. Yeah, I was the first one in my family to go to college straight right? out of high school. Mm-hmm. So you went in thinking about what <laughs> as far as a career? Oh, <clears throat> this is if anything. Story. Yeah, I had actually changed my major five different times. Okay, that and, might be a record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it ended up working out because I ended up graduating with a major in communications and then a mm. minor in psychology. I was one class shy of a double major, but I just was a lot to take on that internship for psychology. But my uh, mom was in medical sales. She was really a pioneer for being among the first female, you know, first women in leadership roles in the early nineties. And so I followed in her footsteps and I always had a passion for sales. I liked the, it was part of my extrovert mentality. person that I am. And I loved helping people and, and the communication and the interactions with people. And my love language is quality time and acts of service. And that's kind of some of the qualities that I saw in sales. And so I followed in her footsteps within, within that role. I'll be darned. So you graduated from college and then went into medical sales. Yeah, immediately. I only had about six months. They always say, if you want to get into some sort of medical sales, it's either copiers or it's, uh, (laughs) um, working for a payroll service. So I did about six months copier sales. I absolutely hated it. And then transitioned into working into medical sales. Okay. So then you went into to medical sales and you were very successful in that field. What do you think led you to that success? I mean, you, I guess maybe you, by, at least through osmosis, maybe you learned a little bit from your mother as well. You know, I mean, I think that happens. Yeah, there's probably, I never really thought about that, Kevin, but there's probably an aspect of that because I do remember earlier in my years sitting down and my mom would ask me to put together these binders for her and I would get paid to do it. <laughs> I was very wow. motivated by money early on. <clears throat> and and I say money because I think sometimes there's, there's perceptions when somebody says they're motivated by money. To me, yeah. money was security. Money was freedom. Money was uh, stability. Because if I was able to make my own money, I was able to then free myself from some of the negative situations that I was in. And so to me, money is security and safety. Yeah. Wow. And, and so, yeah, so I, I did probably learn a little bit from her and seeing through the osmosis, how she approached her business. Um, and then I also probably the, what led to some of my success is some of that resiliency, especially in sales, you're, you're going to hear a lot of no's before you hear yeses. And so always it was a, a combination of that resiliency, always leading with value. I know that sometimes sales professionals kind of have a negative connotation, but if you're leading with value and seeking to understand people's needs and offering solutions, then it's more about education. And then I would say the other thing is adopting a growth mindset and it's being a continuous learner and, and, and always investing time in your personal and professional development. Yeah. Boy, you hit on a lot of really important ideas there, especially for the, the younger professionals that might be listening here. I mean, not exclusively, but uh, you're bringing out some really strong tips here. So I know what it is, but what do you mean by growth mindset? 
So I would say growth mindset is investing time in your personal development and making that part of your every day. And so even to this day, I know that I want to show up as the best version of myself. I know that I want to model what, uh, my version of the best version of myself for my kids and for the people that I surround myself with. So I carve out an hour every single day to learn and grow. And sometimes I'm kind of dual tasking in the sense of I'll get on my Peloton and I'll listen to a Ted talk, or I listened to your podcast this morning. So I always dedicate an hour towards that each day. And then also I carve out time probably on a quarterly basis where I will dedicate an entire day or a weekend specifically for development. And it could be anything from strengthening my marriage or my spiritual growth, or, you know, some of the things of owning a business or being a speaker, being a coach. It's really ensuring that doesn't matter how successful I am. It doesn't matter you know, I, people can say I'm the best leader in the world, but at the end of the day, sometimes leadership is continuously investing in yourself and never ends. That's very interesting. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking about this idea that a couple of things, one, that, and you've pretty much said it, that, you know, this is the way that this is not just something that we do in college. And then, you know, as maybe an apprentice in whatever career you choose that you have this desire to learn and grow but you know at my age I think you're probably quite a bit younger than I am but you know but the point is is that this should be a lifelong endeavor and to be growth and I'm asking this you know I'll make a statement but I'm asking this of you to have a growth mindset you have to pay attention to yourself right you have to pay attention to for instance where do I need to learn and grow? I mean, that's part of the growth mindset, right? And so how do you, how do, you do this? Because there's so many different areas that maybe many of us want to grow in, as you mentioned, professional growth, personal growth, spiritual growth, the list goes on. How do you sort of manage your, 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 um, the, the activities and, or, or where you focus your growth mindset? Mm. It's interesting because even yesterday I took a personality assessment. And what I've found is sometimes these life events that happen in your life, you may shift a little bit in your personality. And so when I became mm -hmm. a mother, it shifted a little bit when I, we, there's this yes. personality assessment disc insight color is very similar. Yes. Um, but I, that was one moment that kind of shifted me. And then as I really honed in on what my purpose is and what brings me joy and the impact that I want to make, I noticed that I, it really shifted a little bit even more. And so I think the more that you can take the time to understand yourself, and that could be either through personality assessments, it could be looking at kind of doing a 360 inventory of your life. How is your relationship and your, your marriage or significant other? How is the relationship with your kids? How is the relationship, whether you're a faith or a spiritual and looking at, is there any area where you see an opportunity to grow even more? And of course, there's going to be in all the different areas, but if you see one more than the other, then maybe you're going to allocate a little bit more time to that particular area. Oh, I know nice that when my husband got home from a deployment, we were learning how to transition in together. Maybe I focused a little bit more time on understanding that period of our life. And then as I became a business owner, then I really honed in on learning what it takes to be a successful business owner and, and also uh, speaking classes as I'm improving as a speaker. And, and it's really continuing just to assess wow. your life and where you want to grow. Wow. I love that. And you know, that makes me think, and I think this is really good for anybody out there who wants to understand more about learning, growing, changing, whatever the case might be. So as you said that, it made me think, you know what, when our daughters went to college, and then certainly once, especially after they, they graduated from college, Jane and I, we had to learn how to not parent anymore, you see. And that it wasn't as easy as maybe we thought because there was also perceptions involved. So, so for instance, if I'm, in fact, I can recall, I mean, there'd be a time when, when my youngest daughter, Alexandra was in college and 
and I was giving her advice about something and she didn't really want the advice, you know, fair enough. I mean, I won't go into the long context of it all or the conversation, but, you know, but she perceived me as, as parenting. And of course, young people at that age, it's, I think it's just a natural evolution that they're trying to break away. It's, it's the way that they should be. And so we had this short conversation and I asked her, I said, well, you know, is it that I was parenting or do you perceive that I was parenting? And so as we started talking this out, we realized that we both had a place to grow here, that we, I had to learn how to, one, be conscientious of how I come across and of not parenting, if you will. And she also had to make that bit of a shift as well. That may be something I was saying to her. Her best friend might have said the same thing, and they're not parenting her. So I, I guess my point is, is that at each stage of our life, that's the whole concept of one self-awareness and, and growth mindset is being aware, as you just said, of those areas that you think you need to grow and paying attention and going, oh, I need to grow in that area. Mm -hmm. That's very, very good. I think you've said it spot on too, where as part of parenting, and, and that's going to start very early on as a parent, as your kids learn to have a little bit more independence. I know that when mm -hmm. my kids start to say things like I can do it, then mm. that's an opportunity for me to reassess and say, okay, are they, do they have the skill sets to, to do this on their own? And if they try, it's okay for them to fail because they can learn as long as I'm yes. there to guide them and pick them up through the process. But you're going to constantly adapt as your kids get older in changing how involved you are in the parenting or necessarily the specific direction that you're giving them. I'm, I'm probably going to give them a lot more direction on how to tie their shoes at an early age than I would in their teenage years. I'd be like, okay, you could tie your shoes, yes. <laughs> but, it, well, and that's just evolves over time. You know, that whole concept of situational leadership, you know, kind of falls right into this, doesn't it? That yes. when, you know, I, I, it just dawned on me that it would be the same for parenting as it would be supervising or leading employees that, you know, when they're new, you're very much directing them. I mean, they don't know anything. So you say, okay, go do this and here's how you do it. And as they grow, you, you back away and you do more supporting and then participate in whatever case. That's very good. I, I want to ask you about your, your military lifestyle and such, but I, but I want to continue down this, this road that we're at right now and just ask you about you know, building a, you know, a, you know, a thriving career, you know, building a successful career. You know, there are so many different places to start, but, you know, what would be sort of maybe your number one thought about that? I mean, it doesn't have to be the number one thing, but what is the first thing that jumps out at you when you think, when you coach or help people understand, you know, how to get to a thriving or a successful career? Oh, that's a great question. I would say that I always start with getting really clear on what's been maybe holding them back because mm. at the end of the day, always starts with that mindset. And I know that sometimes that could be a cliche word, but there are sometimes true, yeah. where we experience it's, it's these self doubts also known as limiting beliefs and their limiting belief is a negative thought that we've either told ourselves or somebody else has projected onto us on what they kind of put their limitations. If I say, I'm going to write a book and somebody says, well, you can't write a book. You're not, a, not an author. I'd say, well, that's maybe your limitation, not mine. That's maybe your thoughts about yourself, yes. not mine. And when we're able to identify and have the self-awareness about what some of those negative thoughts are that are holding us back and we can transform them to confidence and courage, that's when we can gain clarity and that next, taking that next step and gaining clarity as to what is it that we want to do and being very bold and creating these very um, high growth goals. Sometimes we have these limitations of like, well, I can never be a VP, you know, because I don't have these specific skills. I've never been a VP before, which I've, I've heard often. I said, well, that vice president of that company right there, there was a time where they were not a vice president. They were an individual contributor and they had to work towards getting to where they're at today. We've all, we, all of us have started somewhere, including the president of the U.S. So it's understanding some of those negative thoughts that are holding us back. And then once we can 
once we can move past those and have the self-awareness around them, then we can gain some clarity as to our purpose and what fills up our cup and how we can apply mm. our purpose to our everyday work and then go from there. Oh, love that. What fills up our cup? That's a good statement. You know, that's a very important point. I think you're bringing out there with respect to limiting beliefs. And you used a couple of words in there. One are the negative thoughts or the negative self-talk. There's that, but there's also a more seemingly benign limiting belief. And that is just, you know, we don't see it as a negative thought, but it's it, but maybe a little bit more to your point that it's just, you, you just don't, you know, you just don't perceive that, you know, that you're capable of doing something. And, and while you could cast that as a negative thought, sometimes people just are, are trying to be realistic. So mm-hmm. they don't, so, so, so in their mind, it's not like, I'm not saying that I'm terrible and I can't do anything in life. I'm just saying that I'm not really that smart and therefore I have to be careful. And, and I, and I think you're saying the same thing, those types of thoughts hold you back as well. We, we mm-hmm. don't, we can't, we can't really calculate, if you will, or project our potential, can we? Mm-mm. You and only, that's, please. Go ahead, Kevin. No, you go. I think that when it comes to that projecting your thought, if, and some of that's based off of fear. So sometimes we have the fear of failure or we're comparing, comparing ourselves to others comes, falls into that comparison trap. And if you feel like there's a particular goal that you're saying, I would love to get to this particular point. Well then work that back and saying, okay, well, what is it going to take to get there? And that goes into, is it going back to school? Is it getting a mentor? Is it taking development courses? Because you can get to where you want to go if you have clarity on what it is and you build a plan to get there. That's very good. You know, and the, and the idea is that if you don't start stepping towards it, I mean, you know, if you just say that's not possible, then, then it won't be possible because you won't try it. But if you... have even a level of curiosity. And by the way, you might get to it uh, once you get close enough to what it is you think you want to do, you may realize it's not for you for some reason or another. I remember when I was uh, still in the Air Force, this was in the late 80s, I started back to school. And for the sciences, I took, I was doing gen eds and I, for the sciences, I took a a physics course. Okay, listen, I knew, and this is not, me being uh, humble or anything else, I was not a very smart guy. Going, I barely, I just really struggled even graduating high school for a lot of different reasons. But in any event, so now we're talking probably 10 years later after I graduated, I, for some, whatever reason that I thought, I went to take a physics course. Why? Because I was fascinated by physics. Every time I heard somebody speak about physics or whatever the case might be, I just was so engaged and went, wow. So I go to take this physics course. It happened to be in the building that I work. So I went after work straight to the classroom. And I remember during the orientation, the professor started talking about, here's what we're gonna learn. And Danielle, within about 15 minutes of that, I folded my little book up and quietly walked out and said, no, I'm not no. gonna get this. You know, but but I went there. Mm-hmm. You know, I showed up and, 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 and then I made a rather educated decision that this was not something that I would pursue. I wasn't going to pursue being a physicist or a scientist or anything else. I was just trying to get my science out of the way, you see, but, but still, you know, sort of, uh, you know, back to your point that these limiting beliefs, they stop you dead in your tracks. And unless something drives you towards that, you, you won't try, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you said, you know, looking back that there's never going to be a regret as to, well, I wish I was a physicist (laughs) and it's no, you tried and you realize that that maybe isn't necessarily uh, something that you want to pursue. And I say that we all have our own strengths. So it's not that one person's smarter than another. It's just, where do your strengths lie? Sometimes people are great when it comes to doing really diving into the details and the analytics and the math and the science. And then you put somebody in a very social environment like that, and that may not be where they thrive. 
You may put them in a situation where they're going to be taking a debate class or a public speaking class, and that they may feel like they're not smart enough to do that particular role and vice versa. It's just understanding your own strengths and where your natural capabilities are, and mm. then leaning in that direction of what um, fills up your cup. Oh, that's perfect. You know, and so speaking of filling up your cup, so you, you, one of your first thoughts is that, you know, to tackle your limiting beliefs, you know, try, try to understand what's holding you back, whether it's a negative thought or just something else that you assume about yourself. So, you know, then what, as people, you know, maybe even speaking to, again, younger professionals who are still trying to figure out what their career path is, you know, then what, what would you encourage them to do as they begin this exploring aspect of 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 a thriving career <clears throat> the next step would be get a mentor I love and that. and i would say a mentor but also a sponsor because somebody that can advocate for you somebody that can support you in gaining clarity. So I, I say that there's kind of different mentors that you have in different roles within your life. I like to have mentors from inside my organization, outside my organization, different industries, because they can expose you to, well, here, if you come to them with a particular challenge, they can say, well, this is how our industry, or this is how our company approaches it. And you can say, wow, that's really good. We don't do it that way. Or they start to ask questions and it provokes mm. thought in coming up with solutions. So having mentors in different industries, inside and outside. I also say having somebody that you can speak to outside your organization so you can have very, it's a safe space to have very candid conversations and not feel like it's going to affect your career or, or any promotions within the organization. And when I mean by sponsor, that is somebody that's going to champion for you. So when it comes to you pursuing an opportunity, this is a person that's going to connect you with people. This is somebody that's going to advocate for you when you go for an interview. Let's say you go for an interview or a promotion within your company. This is somebody that's going to be in a leadership type role, one to two levels above for you. And when it comes, they're going to be in the boardroom. And when it comes to making decision why they're going to choose one candidate over another, they're going to sponsor for you. They're going to champion. They're going to say, yep, this person I've been mentoring and they're ready for this role. Wow. That's a great idea. And I don't, you know, I don't, and, and some may, you, you bring up a very important distinction here between a mentor and a sponsor that a sponsor really does become, like you said, an, an advocate, if you will. I don't think a lot of people think about sponsors that much. I think at least it's been my experience. Most of the folks that I'm talking to really speak more about mentors and, and, and by the way, when it comes to a mentor, do you have any thoughts or ideas about, you know, how do you find the right mentor? You, you would probably agree that just any mentor is not going to do it. Mm -hmm. What is a good mentor? How do you, you know, what kind of things do people think about when they're trying to find a really good mentor? Hmm. The, by the way, folks, these are all, I didn't send her questions. She no. didn't send me questions. We just are having a conversation. Mm -hmm. So I don't expect her to just jump out and have all the answers here. Yeah, I would say when it comes to a mentor, if there's a particular role that you want to pursue, let's say it's within your organization, and let's say that you want to go for a marketing role, try to seek out somebody that's not only in that particular role, but maybe mm. even a step up from there. Because what they they can say is, this is what your day-to-day -day is going to look like in this is in this role. These are the type of characteristics that we're looking for somebody when we're in our, when we're seeking wow. out to fulfill that position. This is kind of what the day-to-day -day is going to look like. And then to have somebody that's two levels up, they can also tell you if you are going to be promoted into this position, this is what it's going to possibly look like working for me. This is what I particularly look for in somebody yeah. within that role. And then also take into consideration, is that person respected within the organization? Do they mm. have a good reputation where when it comes to the time that they are going to advocate for you, people are going to say, okay, we hold a lot of weight to your recommendation because you're viewed um, highly and respected within our organization. Well, that's an interesting thought there because even if they weren't sort of advocating for you, 
if you were seeking out a mentor and they had a really bad reputation, you, you might at least, you know, their bad reputation could be for a number of reasons, including maybe they're the only one that, you know, really speaks up or, you know, or pushes back or whatever the case might be. So there's that. But on the other hand, they're also, they, you know, they, they also might not be the type of person that you would want to be mentored by because uh, maybe they're not liked because they don't, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, they don't, uh, you know, have good ideas or, or they're, you know, or they're hard to work with or whatever the case might be, not necessarily a mentor. I think that's a great idea. You know, I didn't expect that we would talk about anything about mentoring, but from my standpoint, I think it's one of the most incredible things that anybody can do. I have a spiritual mentor, you know, I have a professional mentor. I have, I have friends that are very close to me that they don't even know they're my mentor, you see. Um, but I, I think you would agree that I would say anybody, but certainly the young professionals that might be listening to this, it's one of the greatest things that a person can do is find a really good mentor to bring you along, whether they're inside of your organization, outside of your organization, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think you, and you had said it very well when it comes to being that lifelong learner. My father-in-law right now, he is a retired physician. So he's wow. a, a doctor or general surgeon, and he is going back to school right now at 80 Man. years old to get Stop. his master's in Christian studies, or there's probably the formal term to it, but, yeah. um, and, and he's 80 and it, it really goes into, because that's his passion and that's his next phase in his life that he wants to spread the word and he wants to mentor people in their spiritual and, and faith journey. So it never stops. Listen, I'm also thinking about, you know, that's exactly the class that I would want to be in there. Can you imagine sitting next to an 80 year old physician, very successful, I would assume. And, you know, and just getting that, you know, just hearing how they're processing things and, and I would absolutely gravitate to that person. You know, I don't care how old I am, you know, I would be next to that person and asking questions and getting to know them. I think that's a fascinating, great thing to do. Well, listen, let me make a quick jump here because, you know, just of the time, you know, I know that you're an advocate for military people. Uh, one of the interesting aspects of your military life now as, as the spouse of a military person was that your military lifestyle came very suddenly, didn't it? Yes. So my husband <laughs> and I, uh, it's interesting. So when my husband and I got together, at first he was communicating that he wanted to join the military. Well, we got together kind of later in life in our early 30s. And at first I was an advocate for it. I was like, yeah, absolutely. If that's what you want to do, join the military, I'll support you. And then he proposed and I said, a week later, I said, okay, wait a minute. I've been in my career for 10 years. I just got my dream job leading yeah. a team for a Fortune 500 company. I just purchased a house. I'm 30 years old. And I was saying, okay, wait a minute. I don't want to move around all the time. That's going to affect my career and what I worked so hard for. And I said, well, if you don't want to get married, then I understand that I'm kind of pulling the ripcord on your dream. <laughs> Well, he says, no, I love you. I, I want to get married. What I found is through our first eight months of marriage, he was trying to pursue the dollar, but he wasn't fulfilled in what he did. Mm -hmm. And so at 32 years old, this is really goes to show you that when you understand your purpose and it's never too late to pursue, I always say, pursue your dream job. Um, that's when he joined the military. And it's wow. interesting. <laughs> Because we said that, okay, well, we're going to join the reserves because they don't move as much. But then after he got back from officer candidate school, then he got a slot into aviation. So he's a Blackhawk pilot. Wow. And we moved to Alabama. So I went from Fort Newport. Rucker, I would assume. Yep. Fort Rucker. So if anybody <laughs> knows, I went from Newport Beach, California, living there for 30 years to uh, Enterprise, Alabama, which has the world's largest statue of a bug. <laughs> and I was commuting from Alabama by plane crazy. to Florida every single week uh, for a year and a half until we were able to relocate for 
uh, to, to a base down in Tampa. And that was because I was trying to sustain my career. And that's what it meant. It meant me jumping on a plane every week. Graciously, my company paid for it. So that was helpful. Well, and so you bring up a very, very important, you know, and thank you, you know, thank your husband for his service. And, you know, and I, you know, having spent 20 years in the military, my wife spent 10 years in the Air Force. She knows what it is to be a veteran and to be away from family and also to be a spouse, as they call it, a dependent. I don't, they probably don't use that term anymore. But, uh, but, but in any event, um, a lot of people, I think it's many people more know, more know know more now, but really don't understand a lot of the sacrifices, sort of the everyday sacrifices, not just going to war, but uh, how difficult it is, for instance, to, if, if you're married and your spouse, one of your spouse's family lives on one side of the States and another one on the other side of the States, what a traumatic decision that can be made to, to be, you know, how traumatic it can be to make a decision like that is whose family we're going to go visit this year. Cause you may only get one shot a year and, and yeah. there's a whole host of other things. But uh, so, I, I mean, I, I thank you also as a spouse that, that uh, is willing to do that. You see, it does bring up as you are illustrating, it does bring up challenges for your career, right? Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that? I mean, you started your own business now. So I assume, you know, that it's, it's easier to navigate, but just generally speaking, it's a tough thing for spouses, male or female. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for the first five years, I was still in corporate America with mm. my job, but there was definitely some times where I remember I interviewed for a position mm. and at the time I was covering, I was leading a team across five States. The position that I was interviewing for, I not only had five more years leadership experience in the person interviewing me. I would be reducing my uh, travels from five states to one state. And mm. in the interview, and I had also been with the company longer, and I had earned RM of the year, and he had never achieved some of those accomplishments yet, not to say that he won't in the future. But I remember he distinctly, he had asked me, how is your husband deployable? And how wow. are you going to do this job if he deploys? And how are you going to raise your kids while traveling? Wow. I mean, all HR violations. Yes, very much so. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yes. Very much so HR <clears throat> violations and, you know, all, and, and that goes into the fact that just because you don't see how you could do it, doesn't mean that you project those limiting beliefs on me. I know what I'm capable of. I know what my support system is. And it ended up being two years after, maybe not even two years, maybe a year after that, my husband served a year deployment. I was still in my role leading a team across five states. I was traveling every single week. And, and I did it when my twins were one and a half years old. Now I knew I had, a, I had an amazing support system and I got very, very creative when it came to my support system. But those, that is just one of the many challenges. And I'm going to speak to a couple few that a lot of people don't know. I'm part of the the train chair for the military spouse employment, wait, empowerment employment program. And kind of some of the unique challenges are if you are located in Germany, it's very hard for military spouses to work in Germany because the income tax is 36%. And it's not as though we are, it's not as though those military spouses are receiving the benefits as to why that tax percentage right. is so high. In Italy, you cannot work off base. You can only work on base. So that means that those positions are very limited. And one of the biggest struggles, the, and I would say another big struggle is resume gaps. A lot of companies will say, oh, well, you've only been in this position for this long, or there's resume gaps. And so that can sometimes look frowned upon when it comes to applying through the, um, the automated tracking system that a lot of these companies use. And then I would say that the main one is childcare. Because wow. when you're moving around a lot, you don't always have a support system. Or if you're moving to a very highly populated area and maybe there's a wait list for a year to get your child into the local daycare facility, then, and you can't get in, that's going to be really hard when it comes yeah. to looking for a job. So there's a lot of unique challenges, which is why, the average uh, unemployment rate for 
the average person's about 8.9% sometimes, but for military spouses, it's 24%. Whoa, whoa, that's Mm -hmm. no little jump either. And, and it's earning significantly less because you're jumping kind of from like, uh, positions that are more hourly than they are salary just because of the frequency of the moves. Wow. Now I would imagine that the whole concept of, 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 uh, you know, virtual work as it's changing must change. I I assume, right. Is, Is a positive. For military spouses, spouses. absolutely. And that's one of the things that we, as part of this organization partnered with Hiring for Heroes, is we are working with organizations and employers specifically on, you have a lot of remote positions, then let's fulfill them with military spouses, because here's some of the unique qualities that military spouses offer to the table. Very resilient, which is an intangible characteristic that you want to see. Uh, very much so adapts to change and change management, which if anything, that was probably one of the top characteristics that you probably want to see over the past couple of years through this pandemic. And then also a lot of military spouses are highly educated because what they do through time periods where they can't get an employment is they'll use some of the military benefits and they will go seek out degrees. So there's a lot of military spouses out there that have their master's degree, their doctorate degree, mm-hmm. and yet are sometimes having a hard time getting a job. So remote working has definitely supported the military spouse community. Yes. And I think, you know, of course, we're not just talking about, listen, even in the States, some of these bases are, are quite remote, you see. So yes. where they may have, you know, jobs around them, they're not they're not that many. And to get to a job, you'd have to really travel. I mean, some of them are really quite remote. And then you have, of course, as you just expressed, the overseas scenario, which is just very, very difficult to not only find a job. I mean, listen, I can't tell you tell you the number of spouses that I met working in the commissary that had master's degrees. I mean, because they wanted to stay busy and earn a little bit of extra money. And uh, of course, when you talk about officer versus enlisted, you know, the, there's a big there's a big pay gap there as well. So these are folks that are not only educated, they're motivated. They want to work and and earn some money. Mm -hmm. Very, very highly motivated. And yep, very, very well educated. Well, listen, Danielle, I could go on and on and on. I know that you also have a a very important uh, appointment coming up. So uh, I don't want to keep you much longer. I would love for you to just share with uh, my audience you know, what you do a little bit right now and where they can find you. Uh, I would love it even if you would share the, 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 uh, the military spouses uh, mm-hmm. link as well, which I'll put in the, in the show notes. But, you know, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and then how people can find you, Danielle. So what I'm doing now is I kind of have two different areas that I'm focusing on. For my business, I'm a I work with organizations as well as individuals when it comes to career acceleration, sales performance, and company culture. Mm-hmm. And that could be through keynote speaking, corporate workshops, or one-on-one coaching. And then on the other side is I get to use some of the skill sets that I've learned and I do my everyday business to really pour back into the community. And that's mm-hmm. where it's partnering with the Hiring for Heroes or Hiring Our Heroes, or whether it's the Military Advisory Committee for the Chamber um, and, and working with some of those organizations to empower these military spouses and create awareness as to some of the challenges of military spouses so that we can create awareness to offer some tools to support them, which just happens to be the, when you're saying the call that I have next is meeting with somebody to discuss that. So, oh, man, yeah, that's and that, that's part of that going back to your purpose and filling up your cup. I get to do it in both areas. Wow. That's terrific. Yes, that you're in a successful career, but you are also spending time to make make a difference in the lives of other people. There's just no better way to do that. So how can how can people make contact with you or find your information? I think you also have a book out, if if I'm not mistaken. Working on it. Working on it. Okay. <laughs> Working on it. And I would say, I know it's I 
it's something that even right now kind of challenged with trying yeah, to juggle man. everything that I do you with writing a book. to the but, choir here. Yep. It, it took it's, me forever to lot. write a book. You know, it wasn't <laughs> as easy as people think it was. You know? No, it definitely takes some dedication and carving out some time to do it. Yes. But, uh, and so people can find me on my website, daniellecobo.com. Also, I do have some career accelerator workbooks and things like that that you can find on my website. They're free. And then also my podcast dream job with Danielle. Yeah. I did want to ask you about your, your podcast, if you have just another minute. Um, So, and, and just for everybody's clear when she says Kobo, C O B O, but again, all of this will be in the show notes. People will be able to just glance down and click on links right there, but please yeah, tell us just a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So my podcast is, it's been rated top five for women, equality and equity. And it's really about how can women transform that self-doubt to confidence and courage to accelerate their career Mm. and create their seat at the table. And it's about how could we work with organizations and empower each other so that we could work cohesively in the workforce. Um, because we know that when men, men and women are in the workforce and we're in leadership type roles, those types of companies thrive. And there still seems to be a pretty big gap of women in leadership roles. So it's, it's empowering them with the tools to do that. And I will very say nice. it's not a male bashing. It is very much so how can we work cohesively and support each other and be an ally to other women in the workplace. Nicely said. That's very important because all, you know, all of the discourse is so out of whack. People, you know, these, these ideas you know, end up with connotations, but you're here just trying to help women sort it out. But it, you know, but, but you love men, right? Too. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Okay. I'm married to a very, I'm okay. married to a military yeah, absolutely. Uh, man who's very strong. And one of the qualities that I love about him is I support him. He supports there me you go. and it's, and it's learning from each other. That's how it works, man. That's a beautiful thing. Well, Danielle Kobo, thank you. So by the way, uh, what's the name of your podcast again, real quick. Dream job with Danielle Kobo. Dream job with Danielle Kobo. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Danielle, thank you so much for taking the time and really just enlightening our audience on a whole host of, of ideas. I think we, you know, the thing we didn't talk about was, you know, how to grow corn. So, uh, <laughs> you know, no, really just in, in several really good areas that uh, you let some, some great advice and, and shared some of your wisdom and, and we're kind enough to share a little bit about your background. So thank you so much for being on Grow Yourself from the Inside Out. Well, thank you, Kevin. It was absolutely a pleasure to be here and I enjoyed our conversation. Likewise, I look forward to staying in touch.